Be a people who are prayerful, watchful. And on Easter Sunday, what a day to be thankful. Good morning. (laughs) And yes, I've got more room to roam today. We'll see how that goes, right? So excited to be here sharing with you today and with the crew that we have here and just so thankful for them being here today. And we're staying within the limits, just so you know, but we're just so glad that we're able to do that today. You know, I never imagined in my lifetime that if I was physically able to not be able to be in the Lord's house with his people in numbers on Easter Sunday. For Jan and I, this breaks 34 years of celebrating Easter together. And so to say this is a little strange, it would be an understatement, no doubt. But let me ask you a question. Can anybody remember back in the day when we had sports? I mean, just think way back, like a month ago. Well, back then, I'm that guy that, well... I like to DVR my favorite team playing whatever game it is, and I have three or four favorite teams. And I like to watch it because I I, I like to watch it even though I know the outcome. Now, if they lose bad, then I may not even watch it at all. But but if they win, I enjoy watching it. I know the suspense is gone, but there's something really enjoyable about knowing the conclusion that your team wins. There's just something about it. You know, children can watch the same movie over and over and over and just seem almost as excited this time as they were the first time. And I think maybe even part of that is there is security in knowing the conclusion. In sports, no doubt, there are something about the spontaneity of the moment, no question. I've been there, you've been there. That when it's live... When you don't know how it's going to end, in that moment, the suspense is almost tangible. You almost touch it. it, it, They almost cut it with a knife. And then it happens. See, I can't imagine wanting to know what happened in the 2001 World Series, seventh game, ninth inning, Luis Gonzalez at bat, I would have struggled, I think, if I'd have already known the conclusion. I just don't think I would have jumped as high. I don't think I would have responded the same. So I know there's some things about not knowing the conclusion that gets us kind of amped up. Suspense can bring fear. The unknown, which many are experiencing in this day. Some days we go from day to day wondering. Sometimes it seems like it's almost hour to hour. Wondering what is the conclusion. Wondering and knowing we can't find it. And and people telling us we don't know it. That can cause anxiety and great fear. Suspense can also cause excitement. Like for some of you right now. Finding out that you're pregnant. That's been awesome to hear around our church, and that suspense of who is this little fellow or gal going to come into our home, and what are they going to become, and what's their personality? So there's a suspense there. What happened? 
is as important on Easter Sunday, no doubt. But why is it as important of what happened on Easter Sunday? Easter Sunday, if you think about it, the suspense is almost gone, right? Most of us who have showed up online or in this room here already know how this concludes. So why would we get excited about celebrating something that we already know the ending? For some followers of Christ, even though we know the rest of the story, we do this weekly. We actually show up week in, week out, excited about knowing the conclusion. There is something about knowing how this thing ends. Now, what's the suspense of Easter? Well, I'm going to address that today because I think sometimes we show up at Easter. We've heard it so many times, and I'm not going to tell you today I've got some new insight into Easter, so that's not what I'm trying to tell you. But I hope today there is a little bit of suspense, or maybe there's not, and I'll address that in a little bit. But first thing I want to do today is what happened? What happened on that Easter Sunday? And we're going to read out of, if you've got your Bible or device, out of Matthew 28, 1 through 10, Familiar passage, of course, for Easter, and so and, and there's many others we could have gone with today. But what happened? Well, after the Sabbath, we'll read verse one. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were like white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. Then you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. Listen to that. Suspense. Afraid yet filled with joy. And ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. And I love this. Greetings. Greetings. (laughs) he said they came to him clasped his feet and worshiped him and I just want to say what else can you do right there right then Jesus said to them do not be afraid go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee there they will see me He is not here. He is risen. The suspense is not whether Jesus is alive. It's not whether Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. That's that's been answered for us. No doubt today, above everything else, this day is remembered and celebrated. And again, I want to thank our crew for helping us do that today. I hope that's happening as has happened in your home. But one of the things I wanted to, to ask is if, if you didn't know the rest of the story, maybe you've come to Easter often and you've heard the Easter story. Maybe you don't know, so maybe some things that are suspenseful, like what happened to those disciples? 
I've never really read about them. I've never really studied scripture. So what happened to those disciples? There's a lot of suspense there. Well, a lot of things would happen to the disciples over the years. Peter, for instance, if you know the story right before Jesus was crucified, he denied Jesus. If you, if you know about Peter, he lived about another 30, they estimate another 30 to 35 years. Many nights spent away from home. Many nights, I mean, you go through even the apostle Paul, but especially the disciples and they're shipwrecked and they're, and they're beaten and all kinds of things happen to them. Even to the point of being crucified. Spoiler alert, if you haven't, so you may want to turn your volume down if you don't know the rest of the story. 11 of the 12 disciples died a martyr's death. What moved them? Why? Well, I believe there was a scene, and it's found in this passage of Scripture, there was a scene that played over and over in their minds that caused them to never look back. Some of us need to begin to move forward and never look back. And let God, when he wants to retrieve something from our past, he uses it filtered through the Holy Spirit, and he uses it with power and purpose. But here, they decided not to look back. And I think it's found in this last verse, where Jesus says, go and tell my brothers to go. He didn't say, go and tell those losers Go and tell those knuckleheads who ran. He said, go and tell my brothers. The betrayed is coming back for the betrayers. Not to hammer them, but to send them. Not to criticize them for forgetting, but to commission them to remember. Remember that he who was dead is alive. And those who are guilty have been forgiven. The what? What happened on Easter Sunday? What happened to those guys? What happened? Well, that's a little bit of the what, and there's a lot more to it. Easter, though, why did it happen? Familiar passage of Scripture to many of you, even if you don't follow the church, you've probably seen this at football games somewhere. John 3, 16, 17. For God so loved the world that gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have, ever, have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Luke 19.10, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. First Timothy 1.15, Paul writes, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Why did Easter happen? Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Imagine a world today where everyone lived according to this principle. What if couples We're occupied with finding ways to give and bless their spouse, maybe instead of being self-absorbed and critical. 
What if parents, we begin to live in a way under this mantra that is our children might even get confused sometimes that maybe Jesus was living in the home with them because we permeated the love of Christ in spirit and in truth. What if all situations in our life, yes, politics and the media, people resisted and fought against their human tendencies to be offended, envious, greedy, hate, gossip? What if we became defenders, fearless and courageous for the good of others? Over the last month, some surprising things that have happened. Our country has shocked social experts, the best I can tell, at least up to this point. No doubt in the middle of these current circumstances, when they've talked about mitigation and and isolation and all the things that have gone on, it has surprised the social experts that we as a country would take it so serious. And what they're giving, what they're contributing a lot of this to, some of the stuff I've read, is not the fact that people are trying to save themselves, they're trying to save others. They're trying to make sure the most vulnerable are not harmed. In this unprecedented time, considering our seemingly deep divide in our country, this happens. With the exception of toilet paper. To be honest, my early estimation on how much toilet paper I used was way off. (laughs) Way overestimated on that. But here we are still, right, pulling together for the good of each other. The question then becomes, and the suspense becomes, how long will that last? How long will the commitment last? Not sure. And for all of us, I'd say for a little while, there's something innate to us that says we need to do good for others. Maybe not everybody, but for the most people, there's something inside of us that says we need to help others. And so we've done that. But, but, but the question then becomes, can it even become a lifestyle? Can it become the way we are moving forward? Well, I would just say this. There is something also warring against us to become that. There's something trying to keep us from becoming those people. I'll be honest with you. I I believe we were intended to be when all this started from the beginning. And I'm not talking about the beginning March. I'm talking about from the beginning. See, if you want to be a part of changing the world around you, I believe following Christ and, yes, Christianity, as much as you may have problems with it, is the key because you're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. And the problem we have here is sin. And we have to admit that we have an inescapable human problem with no human solution. I am convinced before we can help others, long-term, not short-term, but long-term, we must first begin to overcome our own selfish nature. And I am convinced Christ is the only way that happens. Why Easter? John the Baptist is quoted here. The reality of this day, I believe, is this. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus took on the sins of the world. 
And he didn't just wave a magic wand and all of a sudden it was gone. He took these sins on. That's what these last few days have been about. An apostle Paul wrote, he said, the wages of sin is death. He didn't say the wages of sin is a bad mood. The wages of sin is is a hard day. The wages of sin is self-isolation. The wages of sin are depression. He said the wages of sin is death. Why do we celebrate Easter? Because the resurrection has happened in our lives. We are no longer sentenced to that death. And our lives cannot really be explained apart from an almighty God, a resurrected Savior. Why do I follow Christ? Why am I part of a church? You may not care, but I'll just tell you why. Because I am convinced that Christ is the deciding factor and, and the ultimate and only healer of individuals, marriages, families, cultures, a nation, or the world. There is something in the soul of man which Christ has put there. There are needs that life creates that only he can meet, wounds that only he can heal. And the further on this journey, at least I know that I go, the more I realize how much I need him. I hope and pray that you believe that people really can change. But I'll tell you when I believe people really begin to change, when they fall in love with a different version of the future. God's version. That this whole Christian thing is not some kind of obligation or some kind of like bondage or drudgery, but it is an invitation to the greatest adventure of your life. When I became a believer in 1986, I saw it as an invitation. It was an invitation to a different life, to a different world that I didn't even know existed. This world had been going on all this time, and now I just realized that this pathway to this larger narrative, this divine drama, was going on. And see, I believe, and we believe here at Renovation, that somewhere in you is the person you were meant to be. A great story to be lived out. The problem is, the image of God has been deeply scarred in each of us. But a person, we believe, any person can really be changed. Trusting Jesus to repair the broken pieces, repair the scars and the wounds. And it may sound impossible, friend, but Jesus was asked once, talking about the rich and everything, but the disciples asked him and said, who then can be saved? Jesus answered in Matthew 19, 26. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Christians believe that God will give them strength to overcome this self-centered, egotistical nature. A salvation that runs more than hot or cold or makes us feel guilty most of the time, but a salvation that takes, it back, takes us back to what we were intended to be in the first place, 
walking with him. This whole Jesus Easter thing isn't something just historical, and I believe it is, and I believe the facts would back that up. And it's not something that's just logical. For me, reasoning this whole thing out now makes great sense. Maybe it didn't before, but it does now. But the thing about Easter is, when we come to Easter each, each year, if that's how often we do it, maybe hopefully it's more, but when we come, the one thing is for sure is that we can't walk away from it neutral. Why? Because it's personal. See, I believe there's a drive in the human psyche that compels us to seek out a higher power. Looking for some explanation of why we're all here. The fact that we all do this is not necessarily proof that there is a God or any higher power. But I love what C.S. Lewis says. The great English scholar and Christian philosopher says, even though someone's hunger is not proof food exists, or that the person will get a meal anytime soon, yet hunger is a powerful indicator. A person has a capacity to eat, even if he or she dies of starvation. Spiritual hunger is a powerful indicator. There is something beyond ourselves, and we can and need to feed on it. We all apparently have a built-in yearning to be more than just bodies and brains. No doubt, looking back on our lives, at least I know for me, I'll be able to reduce down my most defining significant moments to just a few, maybe a handful. And in those moments, my life was radically, radically altered. You may be only one defining decision away from a totally different life. See, the most suspenseful thing I believe about Easter, for many people who have tuned in today, and we're so glad you did, but the most suspenseful thing about this Easter and any Easter or any Sunday, honestly, any day, but especially for some of you, is what are you going to do with Jesus? The most suspenseful thing is what are you going to do with Jesus? If you're not going to be in on this life, then what life? See, we as Christians don't believe in reincarnation. So we only have one shot at this. But I believe this, and you understand what I'm saying, so don't hear what I'm not saying. But I believe this. There is a way to maybe live more than one lifetime. That is to live in such a way. That the fumes of your life and the way that you lived and the way that you loved and the way that you did things like Christ lives on through generations. That is a fact. You know, Revelation 3.20, and he's talking to the church at Laodicea, but I believe it's appropriate for an Easter Sunday because we're looking for hope. We all are. I hope that we are looking for peace and joy and love, but hope. Jesus is saying to the church, he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in 
and eat with that person and they with me. Who's that available to? All of us. I am so glad that in 1986, I made that decision. It changed the trajectory of my life. And, and I'm telling you, I've seen hundreds since then of lives because the resurrection, why do we celebrate? Because the resurrection mattered. It mattered. I mean, it didn't just matter 2,000 years ago. It matters every day. So we continue to celebrate. I mean, what if I could tell you today, friend, that the purpose even for your pain, the purpose even of your mistakes, they, have, they, they really can have a purpose. God can take those and redeem those. What if I told you today, even in the middle of COVID-19, this time won't be wasted. This time is something God will use in our lives. He doesn't waste anything. And I've heard a song this week, and you can look it up, that has that really just spoken to me in the last few days. And it's from Elevation Worship, and it's called Graves into Guards. I'm just going to read just one little part of it. There's nothing better than you. You turn mourning into to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn graves into garden. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You are the only one who can. That's why we celebrate. That's why we're so passionate about it. Because we know he is the only one who can. And we just want to invite you, friend. If the suspense of today, for me the suspense was, I'll be honest with you, Not a lot today for me in this sense. I knew when I came here today, I want to follow him more. I want to follow him more than I did yesterday. But for you, maybe for your family, just maybe, the suspense is there right now. Oh, we know what happened. We know why it happened. But the question is, what are you going to do with Jesus? Because I believe today, friend, we don't know what the future holds. But I do believe I know who holds my future. And you can know that too. If you would, uh, on the chat, or if you, would, if you want prayer, I'm just going to ask you to... to, to to let some of our hosts or our staff know that, that you today want to make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Again, you may, the suspense and the fear may be that you don't know what the future holds, and I don't know either. But my goodness, I can know who holds my future. My Redeemer lives my Redeemer lives. If you today want to let our hosts know, we would love to send you. I'm going to pray. We would love to send you a couple of books. One is the book of John. The other, if we can get enough of them, sometimes they're sold out. No wonder they call him the Savior by Max Lucado. If you'll let us know 
We'll, we'll pray for you. We'll be in contact with you, but we'll get these out to you. And maybe during this time, it may be something of great comfort to you, just even these books. But Jesus is still the only one who comforts us, ultimately. I want to pray for us, then I'll come back and close us here in just a minute. Lord, we come before you today knowing that this day around the world we are connected yeah, any Sunday but especially this day it is so heightened that we we are connected to your people around the world Lord and it's unbelievable to think that we get to be a part of this but we just want to say thank you but Lord I pray for those right now who today this is there's a lot of suspense around this what will they do with you well, well, after today, their marriage be different because they chose to follow you? Will their parenting be different? Will their singleness be different? Will their teenage years be different? Will their childhood be different? Because they said, I am putting my life in the hands of the Redeemer. And Lord, I pray right now, the Word says, if we'll confess with our mouth, and believe in our heart that you were raised from the dead. We shall be saved. Lord, I pray for those who will let our folks know. If nothing else, let the people they're with right now. Let someone know the decision they've made. But we would love to walk this out with them, if possible, Lord. Lord, again, thank you for this day that we celebrate. And we pray this in the most powerful name, the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ our Lord. We're going to sing, thank you, and we're going to sing now a song that's kind of become the staple during this season, and uh, we're doing it with the whole band this time, so I think that's going to be pretty awesome. So sing along at home, please, as we continue.